Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Once again, we just want to say, Father, thank you for sending your son. We want to say to you, Jesus, thank you for coming for us. We want to say, Holy Spirit, thank you for empowering your son throughout his life. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. But for you, we would have been wretched, miserable sinners, having no clue we were heading towards destruction. We just want to thank you. We just want to thank you. We just want to thank you. We just want to thank you, Father. Now, as we come to the preaching of the Word of God, I pray, Lord, I wouldn't just dis- dis- decrease, I would just disappear so that you may appear. For you alone have the words of life. We just want to lift you up. Lift you up. Magnify you. Magnify your word that you may draw all men, all women, all children towards you. For you are life life eternal. We have come for life. Not just knowledge, wisdom. We have come for life. And you alone have life. Help us to go from here. With life, more life, more strength, more power, more peace, more joy. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come at this time into thy hands. Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 You know, when Joel said in that three incredible chapters, right? Desolation. Desolation. Chapter one. Chapter two is a message of hope. And chapter three is restoration. In chapter 2, you don't have to go there, I didn't give you 232, Joel says, who calls upon his name shall be saved. But we know what his name is. And Joel said that he did not know what that name was. We know his name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. Now, we are going on an absolutely, completely different tangent. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 and 28. Listen carefully. If you've got a notebook and a pen, write it down. It will help you when persecution rises and churches are locked down and you are on your own with your Bible. It will come to use. Okay? If you have a smartphone, be smart. Take notes. 27, 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. In the beginning. Okay. Just God just makes statements. He doesn't have to prove anything. You need to understand that. If he's really God, he doesn't have to prove anything to his creation. He just says what he did. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. 
And on the sixth day, probably by the end of the sixth day, the Bible talks, the pinnacle of his creation. It's man. Created man. In his own image, in his own likeness, he created man. Then he blessed them. And he gave them his plan and his purpose for them. The middle of it, he gives us what they are supposed to do. They are supposed to have dominion. They are supposed to have dominion. They were created, unlike the rest of creation. Man was created to have dominion over earth. Subdue. You will have to subdue. Subdue and have dominion. And rule planet earth on his behalf. He's the king of kings. But Adam and Eve were designated as a king and a queen to rule on his behalf. Now when God says subdue and have dominion, one of the things you need to understand, Venkat, is you cannot have dominion unless you have both authority and power. Authority and power. Authority is with God. So he said, have dominion. So you have now been given authority. Authority alone is not enough. Authority lies with the government of India. Authority lies with the courts. Authority lies with the courts. But power, authority without power is meaningless. Power structure of the government is represented by the police and the armed forces. Understand that. You can have authority without power. Or you can usurp power without authority. So he gives them authority. Dominion. I give you dominion over the whole earth. And the power he gives them is the power of his spirit. The power of his own spirit. That's what gives man power over every other created being. Because like I've taught you earlier, if you look at the rest of creation, man is the weakest. He has no, he has no weapons to defend himself. If you look at almost every other creature, including the mosquito, it's more powerful than him. Powerful than him. Everything else is powerful than him. So what gives you his power? It's the spirit of God. Because what made man different? The Bible says, God breathed into his nostrils. The spirit of God comes in. And that gives him power. Over power over the rest of creation. So man was created to have dominion. And he has authority and his power. And please remember that. Male and female, he created them. That means both men and women, man and woman, together were to exercise dominion. And when they did it, in God's ways, God's power, you know what happened? The Garden of Eden was an oasis of righteousness, joy, and peace. It was literally the kingdom of God on earth. Ruled by, of course, Adam and Eve. God in interfere. He came once a day in the evening to have fellowship with them. That's how we understand from Genesis 1 and 2. And of course, 3. Then in chapter 3, 
we have entered the dragon. Not Bruce Lee, but Satan Lee. Certainly. The snake comes in. The dragon comes in. He lies. He speaks. He lies. And man falls for the lie. Don't have to go into all that. You know. Man falls. Because sin comes in. He believes the devil. Obeys the devil. And he falls. And he's cast out of the garden. Now he's a fallen creature. Spirit is gone. Silent. There's no communication from above. But the nature hasn't changed. The nature is still to have dominion. Nature hasn't changed. What God told him is still what he is. But with a fallen nature. Now man will dominate. But to dominate, he needs authority. And it's not the authority of God. He needs power. It is not the power of God. With a false authority and a false power, he starts dominating. And you will see immediately the narrative changing in Genesis 4. One brother kills his brother. Why? Because he wanted to dominate the narrative. And he dominates through murder. Understand what happened. Because we don't understand what happened. We will never understand why Christ came. The urge, the desire has never changed. But under a false authority and an alternate source of power. Okay. Alternate source of power. What happens from Genesis 4 onwards is what happens is not the righteousness of God, but it is unrighteousness, the result. Behind man, it's not now God. It's a new ruler. That's why Satan is called ruler of this world. And Jesus himself says, the ruler of this world has come to me. Doesn't deny the fact. Because who are you listen? Whoever you obey actually rules over you. Man chose to listen to Satan. Satan became his ruler. Because the spiritual always con- controls the material. Material. Okay. We know the examples. It doesn't matter how big your army is. What matters is how powerful your air force is. So you never hear about China's army increasing. You hear about their advances in the Air Force and rocket technology because they know as long as the U.S. has superiority over the air, it doesn't matter how many men you have. Okay. So who controls the spiritual realm? Controls planet Earth. But God made man differently. You cannot come and just control. Yes, there are seats at the back. Please put the chairs at the back, okay? You need to realize, you cannot just control man like that. It is not possible. Why? Because divine authority, the ultimate authority, God, 
You know what he did? He gave man free will. You cannot tamper with that. You choose. So by choice, we come under one authority or the other. One power or the other. Legitimate or illegitimate. We always have the power to choose. So how do God's people perish? Through ignorance. Because to make right choices, you need the knowledge of God. Okay. So there is a new ruler. Illegitimate authority. New source of power. Satan is able to control planet earth because God gave man the free will. Like all of you exercise free will. Technically speaking, today is a holiday. It's a national holiday. You were given 20 minutes extra. Extra. I'm not talking to visitors. I'm talking to the church. Still you came late. Why? So people keep on asking, Pastor, why don't you change the church time till 9.30? My reason is those who come late will anyway come late. You make it 9.30, they'll come at 9.45. You make it 10, they'll come at 10.20. Why? You have your free will to choose. And I cannot tamper with it. It's God-given. All we can do is set a time. You cannot be made to come on time. Neither God will, nor the devil can, unless you choose. You have to make the choose. That is why God said, aren't you gods? Little gods. Why are we little gods? Because we have the autonomy to choose. Animals can't choose. No creature can choose. Only we have. So use your choices. Okay. So there is authority, there is power. And through authority and power, we control. Now control is not a bad word. Not a bad word. If children are disturbing, if I tell the parents, control your children, is it bad? No, it's for the good of the others. Right? There are men out there, men, women out there in their hundreds today, especially many big churches, there are cops outside in their khaki. Why? So that they can control untoward events. So control is not a bad word. In so many ways, it's a neutral word. You can make it good or Bad. Okay. So we have to use authority and power to control. What control? Ourselves. To control ourselves. That is why in the word of God, you know the verses in Galatians 5, you don't have to go there, the Bible says self-control. So fruit of the spirit. You start with love. And then you end up with self-control. All the gift of the Holy Spirit is held together by self-control. If you do not have self-control, it doesn't matter what else you have, it will all fall away. And Peter in his final epistle says, add to faith, with due diligence, all this virtue, he brings in self-control. So authority is given, power is given, ultimately, first, to teach ourselves how to control. Because we have power. We have power. Life and death is in the power of tongue. We have power over other lives. To control. Devil on the other hand 
seeks to dominate and control man. And when we let him through his lies, little by little by little by little by, listen to him, go in the way of the flesh, little him, go in the way of the flesh, after a time, he can override our will and take control, which is called demon possession. Demon possession. Do you know actually what you become? You become an addict. Addict. Addict is somebody who does not have control. Does not have a control. An addict. Ultimate form of demon possession is, you remember the man in gatherings chained, he broke the chains and he was wandering around the tombs. You see that. And medical science can't do anything about it. All they will give you sedatives and keep you calm. Psychiatry cannot reach the spirit. There's no power to reach the spirit. Cannot. So that's what happens. If you listen to a lie, keep on listening, 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 and doing, listening, a point will come when the enemy will override your will and he will control. And sometimes it can happen to anybody. They lose control and do or say stupid things and later when they come to the senses, they regret, how could I have said that stupid thing? How could I have done that? And then you ask, how did I lose it? Well, you lose control. Lose control. I'm not saying you're demon possessed. I'm saying you're oppressed. Okay. Full-blown demonization take place. Devil dominates the human personality. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit will never take control. Never take control. We have to daily surrender. Even when we surrender, he will lead us. He will never take the autonomy which God in the first place gave us. He gave it to us. He will never control. If you read uh, Paul's, what we say in English, magnum opus, which is the book of Romans, it's a logical, doctrinal masterpiece from God through Paul. After 11 chapters of putting in order every argument that can be brought for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything. 11 chapters. Why the wrath of God will come and how the mercy of God comes. Everything put together. Do you know how he starts chapter 12 and verse 1? Look at it. This is what God says. This is God saying. I beseech you. Our word, I beg you. I beg you. Therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God that you present. No control. No control. No Holy Spirit possession. No. Doesn't take place. You surrender. I beseech you. You present yourself as living sacrifice. That's the difference. That's the difference. And the Holy Spirit moves. He never does. He never will overrule your will. Even when we are under the anointing. Under the anointing. And operating in one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? That operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Main chapter in the Bible called 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is what the word of God says. 
No, 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 not 23. Uh, the one where it says, the, the spirit of man. Yeah? Can I, can I give it to you? Because I want it there. I'm sorry. I'm good in English, bad in math. Pastor Vijay is good in both. 14. 32. See, I'm telling you, always I will put it ulta. 23, 32 became 23. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Did you see that? You may be a prophet. Under the anointing, prophesying the most powerful message. But the Holy Spirit doesn't override your will. You can stop when you want to stop. You will never be able to say that, I couldn't stop with the Holy Spirit made me. He doesn't do that. You hear anybody say that, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He will never override your will. Why? Because he gave it. He gave it. So keep that in mind. You and I have every day the freedom to choose. Nobody can take it away. Nobody should be allowed to take it away. So liberty, God given liberty. It's like the great philosopher said, I disagree with everything that you say, but I will fight till my last breath for you to have the freedom to say it. God comes and says, I set you before you life and death, blessing and curses. You choose. I'll give you advice. Choose life. And he says, I am your life. But he says, I will bend your will, turn you around where you have no answer. Choose. If you want to choose to go to hell, that's your call. I've done everything that I have can do. It's done deal. So we come. The nature hasn't changed from the little baby in you're carrying on your lap to the oldest person sitting over here and everybody in between. The nature is I want dominion. I want to dominate my situation. Right? But you cannot dominate unless you have power. Let me tell you, there are only two sources of spiritual power in this world. It's either God or Satan. The power of God, the power of his spirit is called grace. It operates in truth and always brings liberty. Always brings liberty inside. Always. Grace plus truth is equal to liberty. Where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. Devil operates through lies, brings bondage, temporary pleasure, eternal destruction. But what is the power of the devil called? It's not grace, it's called witchcraft. Now when you think about witchcraft, don't think about Macbeth and the three witches stand. It's not talking about that. Don't confuse witchcraft with witches or wizards. Witchcraft is power. Power, like electricity. Okay? You can have different sources of electricity. Okay? So witchcraft is power. Think about witchcraft has power. Don't think about witchcraft has witches and the broom and all that. Don't think all that. Okay? When Israel was entering the promised land, one of the clear instructions given to Israel 
clear instructions given to Israel. Why they were being brought into the promised land, why the other nations are being driven out is very clearly given in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 9 to 12. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of these nations. What are the abominations, by the way, is the strongest word God uses for his displeasure, his dislike. Abomination. Bad, worst, worst abomination. The fourth one. Strongest word. What are the abominations? Verse 10. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. Or one who practices witchcraft. Or a soothsayer. Or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist. Or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord, your God, drives them out before you. The entire structure of Satan's kingdom, how it operates on earth, is given in these words. And what does he tell us? Be careful. Be careful. We all know the story in the book of Exodus, how he brought them out. They had been brought out by the hand of God out of Egypt. All the power of the sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt, finally failed. And Moses, a simple shepherd, armed just with a rod, which was an expression of God's authority and power, in Exodus 4, 17, and then just two verses. You shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Just take this stick. And verse 20, Moses took his wife, his sons, set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took, what did he take? The rod. Okay, I have a rod. This is not Moses' rod. This is my pointer. That's all he went with to Egypt. God says, all you need is my authority and my power. To set my people free. They are under the domination of Pharaoh. A type of Satan. Enslaved by sin. But all you need. Is my authority and power. You don't need anything else. And he disabled all the power of the enemy. And then in the wilderness. Remember. God taught them. His ways and the instruction. Don't go their way. Don't go their way. We saw 9. Now let's look at verse 13 and 14. What did he say? They give it to you? I didn't give it? Yeah. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Blameless. How you use your authority? What is the source of your power? Be blameless. For these nations which you will disperse us, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. But we know in the story of Israel, after Joshua is gone, they kept going in the ways of their enemies. Over and over again, they came under the power of Satan and of witchcraft. And they kept going under bondage. Now listen carefully. Later they cried out. Samuel's time is over, almost over. He's an old man. They cry out for a king. 
Listen to them, what they are saying. First Samuel chapter 8. And said to him, look, you are old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Do you want a king like all the nations? Do you know where their authority comes from? Do you know where their power comes from? Do you want a king like all the other nations? But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Listen to what God says. The Lord said, Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. Why should you heed? Because I have given them the freedom to choose. You want another king? You can have it and suffer the consequences. For they have not rejected you. They have rejected me that I should not reign over them. He said, they are not rejected. Don't get upset, Samuel. Don't get upset. They didn't reject you. They rejected me. Because you are just a symbol. I am the authority and the power behind. When they said no to you, they are saying no to me. So don't get upset. They were rejecting. Verse 9 and 10. Now therefore hear that voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. He said, you go under that. This is what will happen. The entire list was given. And they said, we still want the king. We still want. Are we getting the picture? So they get Saul, the man of flesh. Saul was a man of flesh. People's choice. Do you remember in Galatians chapter 5 where they described the works of the flesh? Sorcery, oh, not sorcery, yeah, sorcery in NKJV. Witchcraft in KJV is a work of the flesh. Okay. Saul is a man of flesh, initially anointed, but flesh will not work. His final indictment is this. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. What is God saying? Let me put it there easy for you. Wherever you see rebellion, there is witchcraft. Wherever there is witchcraft, there is rebellion. How do you understand the source of power that you're working in? Look at your reaction. If it's rebellion, it's witchcraft. If it's obedience, it's the spirit of God. You cannot separate these two. They go together. Witchcraft and rebellion goes together. And the first king of Israel is indictment. He said, you know why you're a rebel? And you will... Never listen to what God says and still keep saying you obeyed me because the power under which you are operating is not the power of the Holy Spirit. You had an anointing, you are operating on a gift, but the power on which you are reigning and ruling is witchcraft. That's why you are a rebel. His start is different. First Samuel 10.10 10. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of game came upon him and he prophesied. He started with the Spirit of God coming upon him. But his indictment in the middle of his reign tells him the power he has flipped over to is witchcraft. And how does he end? 
chapter 28, verse 7. Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. How does he send? He ends up with a witch. And he dies. He's killed. He's dismembered. Body is dismembered. And he dies. You know what happened? It's because he was under another power. Please understand these things, because if you don't understand these things, you will not know under what you are operating, why you are doing these things. And the end of it, that you can begin well like this man and end up like this man, if you do not understand why Jesus came and what he did for us and what he does in us and what he does through us. What was the purpose? So Satan's kingdom on earth has three aspects, three different aspects. One is witchcraft. That is the power factor. Power. Right? Power. The second is divination, which is the revelatory factor. Okay? There is power, there you have light. So there is power, which is called witchcraft. There is divination, which gives you false revelation, sometimes true. And then you have sorcery. Three aspects, okay? Get this very clear. Witchcraft, divination, and sorcery. Sorcery is always in words and things. Spells, incantations, chanting, amulets, red thread, yellow thread, blue thread, blah, whatever kind of things. They will give you objects to bury in your house, bury under your house, all kind of things. And sometimes you do everything right. Nothing seems to be happening in the in your house. You pray and ask the Holy Spirit. He will show you. Take that out. That's the block. Take it out. You got something that belongs to the enemy's kingdom. In your house. In your house. And if you can't take it, change your house. So there they are. They have power. Never underestimate. Look at Exodus 7 and verse 20. And then verse 22. Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. He lifted up the rod, struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. We'll say, wow! Look at verse 22. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. They did the same thing. Three times they did the same thing. It's a power encounter. And if there is no power encounter in our lives, we will never be free. It is a power encounter. To get Israel out of Egypt, there had to be a demonstrable power encounter between servant of God and the servants of Pharaoh. We know their names from the new covenant, Janus and Jambres. But there is a limit. In chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. The magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lies, and they could not. So there were lies on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. They understood. This is the finger of God. We can't do that. There is a God above all these gods. That is his finger. Understand how it operates. So there is witchcraft, the power pack, divination, the revelatory fact. That's why people do palmistry, astrology, every kind of soothsayer people go to. And you know what? They can tell you the truth. 
which is actually not true. They can tell you the truth from your past and tell you a lie from your future. The problem is when you take the lie, you die with it, if you believe. That was never God's ordained future for you. But they make you believe the lie of the future by telling you the truth of your past. Because nothing is hidden on that side. The demons will tell them exactly what you did, who your father was, what the name was, what happened in your house. You listen to all that and say, this must be of God. And then they tell you, this is what God is saying. In two years' time, you will be this, you will be that. Your destiny goes out of the window because you listen to a lie. The revelatory factor. And then they will say, I see this great danger come upon you. I see you dying in an accident in two years' time. To protect you, wear this. You are bound. Bound. You are bound. Your destiny is now bound in their hands. That's what happens. There is real power. So witchcraft and rebellion goes together. Holy Spirit and obedience goes together. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, the Bible says, we are witnesses of these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. The more you obey, the more you receive his spirit. The more you rebel, the more witchcraft operates in your life. Get this. So you have to check and do all these things. What's my response to the word of God? What is my response to God's authority? What is the power that is flowing in me? Is the power of God or the power of the enemy? Am I being more and more free in my inner man with corresponding peace? Or I feel more and more bondage and I have happiness which is short-lived and I am a miserable person inside. For whom the sun sets free, is free indeed. Jesus was filled with the Spirit without measure. That's what John says, John 3 and 34. And Paul says, he obeyed to the uttermost. Obedient unto death, death on a cross. Filled without measure, obedient to the Father without measure. So as we come to the, not the end of the message, end of the age, it's like Moses in Egypt. It's time for the church to leave planet earth, like it was time for Israel to leave Egypt. Witchcraft and sorcery will go public. It will go public. It becomes mainline. India, it was always mainline. But in the West, it's absolutely out in the open. Nobody hides it anymore. Online, anywhere, witches, soothsayers, diviners, wizards. It's absolutely. Seeking to dominate. Understand, Satan has never created anything. The Xerox missing, the copier, actually was invented by him. He only copies. 
Now don't go, I will not do the rocks or anything. Pastor said it was invented by Satan. It was a joke. He has never created anything. He only copies what God does. So he copies everything that is there on this side. So in witchcraft, in this side of the enemy, there are oaths. There are covenants. There are sacrifices, blood sacrifices of animals, also of human beings. If you look at the police data of any city, any country, thousands and thousands of children and humans go missing and never found. Where did they go? Where did they go? Because the higher you want to go up in this system and want power, you have to give him what he wants, blood. It is not Pharaoh's idea. It's an idea from Satan. You want to hold on power to Egypt and make them into slave. Pass an order. Throw all the firstborn into a Nile. Blood for blood. You give me blood, I will give you power over God's people. You're afraid of Jesus? Herod? Blood for blood. You want to continue your kingdom? Kill all the kids under 12, 2 in Bethlehem and in the surroundings. Nothing has changed. It's still happening everywhere. There are oaths, there are covenants, there are sacrifices, and there are curses. That's why we are told, don't curse, bless. The enemies, which is practically religion, operates on curses. And Balak hired Balaam just to curse. Jesus became a curse for us on the cross. Then there are spells and incantations. Chanting. One particular thing about religion is chanting. It's chanting. Chanting. Whenever you chant, you give whatever you're chanting to power. You with power. All religions. Is, I grew up in a country from morning till evening. The monasteries were full of chanting. Chanting, 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 chanting. In this country also from morning till evening, it's chanting going on. And if you are, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are, or you are a Catholic, what is what the Catholics do every day? It's chanting. They're not calling on Jesus. They're not calling on Jesus, the one who saved you. They're calling on somebody else. Not the real Mary, because she will never agree to this. Another Mary who has substituted another power structure. Hail Mary, Hail Mary. It's chanting. You don't even know what they're saying, but they're chanting and empowering the system to keep you in slavery and not to the liberty of the sons of God. Let me ask you this question. How has the church, the Catholic church, dominated its people for 1800 years through chanting? powerful. Chanting is one of the most powerful methods in which you go into bondage. That's why Jesus said you will not pray like the Gentiles prayed. Don't pray. You will. Your father already knows what you want. This is how you will pray. And the first thing you will pray is thy kingdom come. Exercising the authority and the power of God, using your free will and asking Lord, your name, your kingdom, your will. I come 
outside sorcery and witchcraft. Your will, your authority, your power flow through my life. No other substitute. Just the name of Jesus and the name of Jesus alone. The Bible says there is only one name given under the heavens, not two names, no three names, no four names. One name under the heavens given by which man can be saved. The name of Jesus. There is no two names. You cannot have a second name. Only one name. It's painful, but it is true. So spells, incantations are powerful. Then there is drugs. Drugs is an essential part of sorcery. If you want to go into anything into sorcery, you have to have drugs. And if you take drugs, you open yourself to the power of the enemy. Drugs. That's why we tell you we love doctors, go with their medication, but do not be dependent upon medicines because pharmacia, pharmacia is the other word in the Bible because when you become dependent upon drugs, you know what? You lose control over yourself. So cry out to God, Lord. You gave me a body. Your word says the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Medicine should be only taken when it is essential. As far as possible, walk with Christ. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take medicines. Don't go and throw your medicines away. That's not what I'm saying. Cry to the Lord. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, if this is stopping me from hearing clearly from you, Lord, I want a substitute. And by your wounds, the word of God says, I am healed. Why we tell people, don't smoke, don't drink, don't do drugs, is because it opens you to another power structure to control you. Then you can sit here in the church and listen and as much as you want. Nothing penetrates your brain for to make change in your life because you're already under control of something. Of course, scientifically they say substance control. What does it mean? The substance controls you. It's not God. It's not even you. The substance controls you. Then there is music. Much of music. 99% maybe of music is demonic. Hard rock, heavy metal. We're going at the blood metal. We're going the highest form downwards. It is sorcery. And instruments. Have you noticed all these years? The drums have never come here. Because drums for hundreds, thousands of years in every culture was used to evoke demons. That's why I don't allow drums in the church. I don't want it. The rest of it is okay. No drums. And in every sorcery, witchcraft, or any system in which they want to bind the minds of people, the drums is used. Dum, 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 dum. Before you know, you go that way. Something takes over. And you feel so light-headed and this thing, you know what, sorcery. There is power, but it's not of God. Then lights. Lights. Lights are used. That's why today all music concerts and this thing, you know, what you call for sound decibels, right? They have this ear-pounding, migraine-giving sound. Jesus never spoke like that. He said he won't even shout in the streets. You don't need any of that stuff because it does things to you. And that's not how God. And God showed us about sound on Mount Horeb. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. He was not in the thunder. He spoke in a whisper. 
Be very careful. Even today I told, decrease the overall volume of the music so we can hear the congregation singing. We don't need some. Some of the churches is impossible to preach because by the time the worship is over, you have a headache. The walls don't collapse, it's a miracle. But we do not realize this is part of the occult. We do not bring it in. Lights. <clears throat> you know how many churches have psychedelic lights? It plays with you. This is all used in occult. Keep it simple. The gospel is very simple. When Jesus went, there was no drums, no lights, nothing. And he stood there. John the Baptist preached. Bible says multitudes went into the desert. And Jesus preached. They came to him to listen. You don't need any of these things. All we say, even this morning, I told Simon, all that is that I should be clear and legible. Because he moved the camera to the front because he said uh, the image on the TV is not clear. I said, I don't have to be seen. I just have to be heard. This is a COVID phenomenon. But we were never seen. We didn't want to be seen. Because we all want to be just voices in the wilderness. But not shouting and screaming, giving headaches, but clarity. Understand these things. Because this is how minds are controlled. Minds are controlled. We took it. The ruler of this world has blinded the minds of those who are perishing. That the gospel of Christ will not penetrate. There are so many things like that. I'm just giving you a brief. Wars were fought and won based on sorcery. All wars, all wars were fought and won based on sorcery till today. They were called priests, but they were witches and wizards and sorcerers and soothsayers and magicians. They called, evoked demons and filled the soldiers with demons. And they won and Fought and won. Depending upon how good your sorcery was is when you won. When they won, you know what they did? They brought their gods also and put it over there. Our power is increasing. They didn't destroy their gods. Because what do you want? I want more power. I want more power. You know what in First Samuel chapter 6. Remember? We know that. The Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to his place. What had happened? They were doing sorcery. This side, these guys are all gone away from God. Hopeless people. They brought the ark. They thought you could use the ark of God like a charm. God said, I get used by no man. The Philistines defeated them a second time. 30,000 of them died. They took the ark also. The problem of the Philistines, they thought the ark was like any other thing. Oh, we got more power. Let us take the ark also and put it in our temple. Our power will increase. They realize this is different. Next they go, their God is on his face. Head is broken. Hands are broken. Everybody breaks out into tumors and they say, Appa, we need to send this God away. We can't keep him here. Need to send it away. You know, there's two kingdoms fighting over there. And man has no clue what is happening over here. 
So you know how they send it? Look at verse 4. They asked, what should we do? So they said, what is a trespass offering which we shall return to him? They answered, five golden tumors, five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. Because they are only used to appeasing their gods. Our God cannot be appeased. He cannot be bought. He cannot be bribed. Who can give to God? So even his wrath has to be appeased by his own blood. His own life. He cannot be appeased. He cannot be appeased. You see, they immediately revert to their way. And so don't do that. I will, I will, oh Lord, I'm so sorry I sinned. I will fast seven days. Don't try it. It's sorcery. You fast seven days to hear from God. You don't fast or do anything from God to appease Him. That's what happens in certain churches. You know, they will say, uh, I sinned. I did this. Okay. Go and light 21 candles or say this prayer for seven days. Sorcery. You are saved by grace and grace alone and no works so that no man will boast. Sorcery will cause the flesh to boast. You will say, I asked God for mercy and I did all these things and I feel good. God says, you know what? I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. Understand how sorcery works, how witchcraft works. Be very careful. And Israel's downfall was because they switched from the spirit of God and the laws of God to witchcraft and sorcery. Please, when I use this word witchcraft, don't think about the lady in black with the broom with the long No, Normal people dressed in robes, clerical robes, orange, green, white, whatever robes. Some of them deliberately are on the other side. They know what they are doing. Some of them don't know. They are just trained to do this. But the power is the same. It's not of God. Just look at Psalm. What the Bible says. Psalm 106. They even, who's talking about Israel? They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. And shed innocent blood. The blood of their sons and daughters. Whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. He's not talking about the Canaanites. He's talking about the Israelites. How quickly they went into the ways of the nations. They were commanded to drive out. And look at one of the worst, most wicked king of Israel or Judah called Manasseh. Second Kings. And when the king of Moab, oh, I didn't give you that. Second Kings 21, 6. Okay, it's fine. If I didn't give it to you, it's fine. Okay, you know, he put his own son through the fire. He killed him. Burned him. Yeah. He also made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, used witchcraft, and consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Who is this? Gentile king? No. Israelite king. Israelite king. Because you know what? When you want to dominate, you will use any power. Use any power. You will use any power when you want to dominate. There was a case where Israel was fighting Moab and Israel was winning. Moab tried everything. Nothing was happening. Look at what they did in the next verse. When the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, what did he do? He took with him 700 men who drew swords swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. What did he do? Then he took his eldest son who would have reigned in his place and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. He took his one son. 
sacrificed him on the wall. There was such indignation against Israel. Do you know what it actually means? The demons were appeased and they filled his soldiers and they fought against Israel and Israel withdrew. So they departed from him and returned to their own land. This is not a Holy Spirit filled Israel. This is Israel whom God is showing mercy. They had to back off. They had to back off. It is true. It's still happening every day. You may not see it. But the results are to be seen. That's why there is so much rebellion. So if you go to Genesis, sorry, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, note uh, this word. It's called works. Works of the flesh. And over there, we'll see so many is there. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. KJ, we will say witchcraft. Witchcraft. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. What does it mean? It's already there in us, the flesh. The fallen man already has it all in him. And then when you keep on listening to the enemy and keep on doing it, what happens? The spirit also comes in. You can be born naturally an angry man and you don't control your anger. Get on angry, angry, angry. Now the demon of anger also comes. So you have anger plus the spirit of anger. Or jealousy, the spirit of jealousy. Depression, the spirit of depression. You look at the names of the spirits given in the Bible and you will realize because you did not go, cry out to God, did not give in, give in, give in. Now the spirits have come in. They are controlling your actions. Are you getting it? That's why it's called the works of the flesh. While the other thing is called the fruit of the spirit. In union with the spirit. Works of the spirit. Somebody is making you work it. Hmm? Right? Who do you work for? Satyam. So you are Satyam's worker. Though there is no Satyam there. But that's not what it's called. Those who are led by the spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not called the works of the Holy Spirit. No. The fruits. Acts of the apostle. Fruit of the spirit. It's a fruit. There's no domination there. There's no domination. Holy Spirit will not dominate. And we have to be very, very careful. Even in your, even in your strife, known as call it strife. In your arguments, that's not a good word. In your discussions at home. If you feel you are dominating, stop and walk away. You don't want the wrong source to come into that conversation. Walk away. Walk away. You can discuss issues. Don't try to dominate the other person. When you do that, let me tell you, the power is not of God. The power is of the devil. Walk away. He's after your body. Because whoever owns your body, owns you. He's after your mind. The soul of man. The mind is filled with lies disguised as truth. You will not know it is not true until later when it is usually a little too late. Thank God he says to repent and come back. Lies disguised as truth. And when that lie is repeated over and over and over again, it becomes 
a stronghold in your mind and then you nobody can touch that stronghold the wife will skirt around that stronghold the husband will skirt around that stronghold because you know if you touch that reaction will be different though the one knows it is a lie it is not true but don't touch it because you have repeated it so many times and a stronghold a demonic stronghold has been has been installed in your mind in your mind when only you understand why jesus came to break all these things you will not appreciate that little child right truth also is the same thing you go into the word you go into the word you go into the word and you realize hey this is a lie it doesn't matter how many years it has been repeated 2000 years a lie has been repeated it's still a lie it doesn't become true 6000 years a truth has been denied it doesn't become a lie it's still true that's the difference between a lie and a truth okay we saw right last week uh, last week we saw luke chapter 2 words 6 and 7 so it was while they were there the days were completed for her to be delivered she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn verse 7 is the entire description of jesus birth in the entire bible one verse only one verse only one verse in the entire bible which actually tells about jesus birth what a narrative we have made and we celebrated it for years now when we see the truth because there is emotional stronghold attached it's very difficult don't touch that what does the bible says so it was while they were there that means they came to bethlehem many days earlier and they were there the days were completed for her to be delivered but that's not what we all believed we believed they came on the day of delivery and the search knocked at the inn in keeper said no room but that's not what the word of god says they came early of course the word of god says there is no room in the inn but it doesn't say about anything else what was that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger does it imply there was a stable no maybe he was a carpenter on a vacant land you know our jopadis our poor people you know when the construction people they make a house in 2 hours and when the construction over they take it and move it to the next place maybe joseph made something like that but when the baby was to be born they're looking there is nothing so he went to this table and got a manger and put it and covered it could be i'm not saying that is the way but is there anything in the scripture to say nothing nothing but you touch the entire christmas program people get so upset my question is do you want to perpetuate something that is not there in the word when god has said i have magnified my word above all my name can you live and stand and die by what is written alone what is you know is true difficult right there is no santa there is no tree what has happened when we substituted lies for truth the entire world during christmas does not celebrate christ they celebrate santa claus 
the gentile world celebrates ask any children what are you waiting for santa welcome god sent his own son no santa or fanta and that is how the enemy substitutes lies this no tree you want a tree go have it i'm not stopping it's not my job to die no i don't come to anybody's houses and check what is there that's not my business if i come to your house why are you having a tree i will never say that you want a tree you want a mountain you want anything put it up <laughs> my job is to stand by the word of god and say this is what is written now it's up to you choose what you want to do there's no tree Jeremiah actually talks about a tree, about what the, what the fashion of the Gentiles. They go to the forest, they cut a tree, they carry it home, and then decorate it with gold and silver, and then they carry, can't carry it, it has to be hammered down. And I looked at it and said, you know, that sounds like the Christmas tree which we did when we were young. We then went to grandfather's garden, we cut a tree, we carried it, we didn't hammer it, we got a drum, put it in, and put stones over there, we decorated it, and god says this is the fashion of the nations that are drove out of canaan what am i doing with trees now we are very smart shrewd businessmen like in that parable we fold it put it away and next year we bring the same tree back you want to do it do it nobody is stopping you my job is to teach you these things are all on your mind look at second corinthians Chapter 10 and verses 4 and 5. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Can I have it in KJV? Yes. Casting down arguments. The weapons of warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God. Where is this happening? In your mind. Casting down what? imaginations imaginations come to imaginations <laughs> come to imaginations the only way you can handle it is with the word of god that's why hebrews 4:12 says in the hand of the spirit of god the word of god is living and powerful sharper than two edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit the sword of god the word of god in the hands of the holy spirit goes between the divide divides the soul and the spirit the soul says but i like it the spirit says it's a lie it's a lie but my family has done it for 1800 years where god said i never did it that's why it goes and cuts through the soul because your defining factor is your soul and it goes beyond the soul and speaks to the spirit and says tell that fellow it's a lie it's a lie i never did any of those things i never did any of those things i never said any of those things cuts through that's why people love worship they love prayer they run away from the word and pastors give into it and make it a 20 minutes word because it is this that will save you then you worship then you pray your worship changes your prayer changes it's the word that saves you for god sent his own worship no he sent his own son the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have to be willing to receive it 
And that's why the blessing Jesus pronounced in Matthew 11 and verse 6 said, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Is when you hear the word of God and it starts disturbing and messing up with your perceived ideas and emotions and sentiments, don't get offended. Don't get offended. Don't get upset. If you don't get upset and receive my word, you will be blessed. What does it mean? If you get offended and walk away from the living word, you will be cursed. I haven't come to offend you. I've come to bless you. Come to bless you. We have to guard our hearts from offense when you're hearing the word of God. Not from man. When it is shown from scripture, from scripture. This is true. Put away your sentiments. It hurts. It's like the liniment or whatever you call it. Dettol or whatever you put on a child's open wound. You put it, the child says it's hurting. But is the intention destruction? No. The intention is healing. The word of God will always hurt you because it's going to destroy witchcraft and sorcery and divination in your mind. The ideas of the enemy. And it works in so many different ways. Otherwise we'll never understand what scripture says. For this purpose the son of man came that he might destroy the works of the devil. We were heading towards condemnation. We are heading towards destruction. And the Bible says God sent his son, his only son, so that whoever may believe in him will not go through condemnation, will not perish. Why did he send his son? For he came to seek, to save the lost. How will you know you are lost unless somebody tells you? You have no idea when little children, you go to a shopping mall and you let go of their hand. After some time, the fellow has gone because he's looking at all the things and for hours. The fellow does not know he is lost unless the parents panic and go to the control center and says, would you please call out for, if anybody has seen Tommy, Tommy, your parents are waiting. Did he know he was lost? No, he doesn't know he's lost. We will not know he's lost. So God sent his son to seek and save us who were lost. Because we did not know we were lost. We did not know we were lost. God knew we were lost. The devil said, you are found. You are prospering brother. You are going to be ascended master. God said, bunker. You are going to hell. You are going to hell. All your religious works is like filthy rags before me. By the works of the law, no man will be justified. Where are we going then? God said, I sent my son. I sent my son. So it will hurt. Matthew 2.11 And when they had come into the house, who this? The Magi, the, the wise men. When did they come? If you read scripture carefully, two years later. But we put it all into one drama. Willing suspension of disbelief. Not with the word. With the word you believe because it is truth. This is not drama. This is truth. When they came into the... This time they came to a house. Not a manger. It's a house. There's no manger there. It's a house. And the young child, not baby. Very clear. The shepherds it was told, you will see a sign is given to you. What is that? You will see a baby in a manger. Not to the wise men. You will see a child and above that house you will see a star. Not a baby. They were looking for a baby. They will find the wrong baby. Not the right baby. Because it's a child in the house with his 
Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And it does not say they fell down and worshipped Mary. They worshipped him. They worshipped him. And they gave the gifts. The gifts are mentioned. Immediately we decided there were three wise men. Who told you? Who told you there were three wise men? Does the Bible say? No, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. Let me ask you this question. If you have simple logic, okay, go Peter tells Noah. I went to house number 12 in Bhavanpalli and I met Elsanti and Andrew. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Where was I? Was I there? No. What is, put the scripture back. The wise men came over there and they saw the young child with Mary. Even Joseph wasn't there. To just a normal day. He has to feed his family. He probably has found work somewhere off. He's working. The wise men came. They offered. They left. Joseph is not there. Otherwise in the Jewish narrative, you will never keep the father out. Never keep the father out. You want the truth to set free? This is what happened. It was just an ordinary birth. Not ordinary. Extraordinary birth. The level of his humility. For 300 years, the church never celebrated his birthday. He never told us to celebrate anything except the Lord's table and the ordinance of baptism. That is his death until he comes. He did not save us by being born. He saved us because he had died. He said, keep it simple. Keep it simple. You know, it hurts, but it liberates. Easy on the heart, easy on the pocket. But it's difficult. So let me ask you this question. How long? The Bible says Herod had inquired them very carefully when they had seen the stars. And based on that, he said, kill all the children under two. So how long did they follow the star? How many of you have sought Jesus like that for two years without finding him, still seeking? And he said, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Hats off to the wise man. Second Corinthians 10, 5. KJV. Casting down imaginations. So we have to cast down imaginations. NIV will use the term pretensions. Because imagination will make you a pretender. That's what happened in the last hundred years or less. Movies came in. Radio, television came in. And fiction started flooding the market. The more you watch, the more you watch, the more you watch. You know what's happening? Imagination. Do you know why so many people are miserable in their marriages? Because their idea about marriage is imagination. It is not from the word of God. Do you know why you are so miserable with your life? Because your idea about life is an imagination. It is not from the word of God. Because the word of God always sets you free. You are imagining, you are imagining, you are imagining. You watch and you watch and you watch and watch without realizing almost the entire system has been taken over by witchcraft and sorcery. 
That the supernatural skills of people in the movie world or singing world or sports world are not normal. They have actually gone to Coven's, received the demons and they do supernatural skills and you sit. What is happening as you watch the entire industry? Sorcery is taking place in your mind. That's why I say shut it down. Shut it down if you want to save your soul. Once when you know the truth about how these people play these games, how these people act like that, how these people, even on BGT and AGT, a couple of times we used to watch, and I told my wife, look at the little girl singing. It's demonic. It's not normal. That is sorcery. And we'll say, ah, sorcery. Is that what you want to watch? Is that what you want to be? You know why you are so dissatisfied with the life of God. I have come to give you life. Life in abundance. Because your mind is full of imaginations. From movie, from TV, from YouTube, from Facebook, from Netflix, and every flicks. And when the day comes, the devil will flick you into hell. Because he said, anyway you were mine. And the power that was operating over you was sorcery and witchcraft. Because you do not want to know what I know. And I have dealt with people who came out of the coven. And they told me, all the personalities told me what they had to do before an NBA, this thing, before the players went out and before after the players came in, what they had to exactly do for them. You know it. Your mind will blow. You will say, it feels me puke. Is this is what it is. Because there is no more games anymore. It is industry. It is money. That's what the Bible says of a Lucifer. But you're including trade and violence. Trade and violence. And Babylon, the Bible says, will be destroyed in one hour. Because you have traded with the souls and the bodies of people. You want to have a part of this system? Stay away. Ask the Holy Spirit, give me discernment. What to watch? What not to watch? Because my imagination. Imagine. And many of you are older also who go to church, read your Bible, are not able to break through because after that you go back to, like the dog goes back to the vomit. You go back to it. Holy Spirit, witchcraft. Holy Spirit, sorcery. Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. You will never know what true liberty is. What was the purpose God saved you? What it is to be able to say, I have finished my race. I fought the good fight. Now I see my crown. Nothing. You know why? It's sorcery. It is sorcery. I'm down to a personal level. To a national level. You see through the word of God and what is happening. Sorcery. The purpose of witchcraft is always this. Dominate. Let us now come from national, international level to our own little humble houses. As a Malayali, I will say humble houses. Okay, Humble. So that you can relax. Why is there strife in homes? Because, not about problems, because the motive inside is to dominate the narrative. I am the head, so. That's what the Bible says, right? If you are the head of the house, so. No, that's not what head means for me. Because the other side also there is a head. What is the purpose? Dominate. 
the wife. Submit. No. Dominate. That's a curse in the Garden of Eden. Operating under curses. Though he became a curse for us, we will not get out of it because it feels good to the flesh to dominate. So how does it happen in a, in between two people? Intention is domination. Man, intimidation. Woman, manipulation. Not that all women manipulate, some intimidate also. Not all men intimidate, some manipulate also. But primarily putting it into species. For God sent his only son, not woman or transgender, only son. Male and female created them. Okay? Either it is intimidation or manipulation. You want to see a classic case? So how does intimidation come out? Man gets angry, he shouts, he gets violent, he beats up, all kinds of breaks, things, all kinds of things happens. That is intimidation. Woman, of course, will cry and sulk, give the cold shoulder. The most miserable house you want to be is where the wife doesn't talk. They don't have to do anything. Just shut them out. No, it's miserable. Everybody's going, Mama is not speaking. She doesn't have to shout. She doesn't have to scream. She doesn't have to do anything. And keys in her own pocket. They won't give it to you too. Purpose is always domination. Classic case of witchcraft in God's only family. Genesis chapter 30. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied. So envy has come in. That's a spirit. Sorcery, witchcraft is operating. And said to Jacob, give me children or else I. What do you call it? Classic case of manipulation. You give me children or I will die. Verse 2. And Jacob's anger was aroused. What is that called? Classic case of Intimidation. You think intimidation and manipulation comes through intimidation will. I will tell you nine out of ten times a woman wins. Because a man wants peace in the house. Nine out of ten times the woman wins through manipulation. Am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of the womb? Verse 3. So she said, here is my maid Bilhah, go into her, she'll bear a child on my knees that I also may have children. And she gave him Bilhah. See, manipulation worked. See, to manipulate him, she said, give me a child or I die. He said, oh my God, or what? He's okay, take my maid servant. She succeeded. She got what she wanted. That was always her intention. She could have said it, no, I think I am barren. I think God has shut my womb. But you need to continue your line through me also. Why didn't you think? It won't work. So what did she do? She used manipulation. Reaction, intimidation. Who won at the end? Manipulation. You don't have to do a major in psychology. It's all there in the Bible. Now two women get together. It will be different. Verse 14 and 15. Now Reuben went into the days of wheat harvest, found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his Mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Verse 14, 15. She said to her, is it a small matter you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrake also? You know what is a classic case? I'm, talk, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking generally because I, I do not know you that well to say that this is who you. You know how a woman manipulates a conversation? By bringing guilt. God will never make you feel guilty. He will convict you. He will not make you feel guilty. She's saying, using manipulation to make guilt, you know, you took my husband away. 
Now you want to take my sons in Andrex too. We were all guilty of this. We made our children do things by making them feel guilty. So we need to say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize what I was operating on. Operating on. In verse 16. So when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in to me for I have surely hired you with my sons. In typical Freemasonry, there are two handlers and one slave. They are hiring him. That's what they are called. What are the masters? The, in the divination case in Philippi, in Philippi, in Acts chapter 16, it says, she brought her masters much profit through her divination. If there is no profit, they will not get into sorcery because there is always profit in sorcery. Otherwise, people will not go to a sorcerer. You will not indulge in these things unless it is there is profit in it. So today's term is masters, handlers. There are two handlers and Jacob is a slave, hireling. Here, today you take him, tomorrow I will take him. Who is this Israel, prince with God, prince with man, under the power of sorcery in the land of Haran, who told you to go there? Was your father allowed to go? No. So why did you go? Why did you go? Truth hurts. So understand these things. And say, Lord, deliver me. I don't want to dominate anybody. Lord, I don't want sorcery to work through me, witchcraft to work through me. you given people the free will. You don't want to have it that way. That's it. There are rules. I will stay within the rules. And there is peace. There is peace. Because the Bible says the end will be such. The law, let's go there. How it will come. Every thought will be demonic. They will take over. We won't even know it is demonic. Second Thessalonians. Yeah. How does it? You will see the sons of God. This is Noah's case up, up. Picture God has given us. How the end will be. He said the end will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. What happened? There is a demonic. The sons of God and the daughters of men. They will become one. What does it mean? In the last days, there will be a union of the demonic and the human. Which will result in giants. Yesterday I got a, a mail from one of these masters saying, what are you trying to do, pastor? We are the giants walking on this land. You will never win. I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name and wrote him. The blood of Jesus is against you. I get all kinds of mail from these masters, the wizards and witches. But I'm telling you, they know what they are doing. Do we know what we are doing? They know Genesis 6. Do you know Genesis 6? Because the words he exactly used was the words, we are giants walking this land. It's there in Genesis 6. The result of it is, is every thought, every imagination is evil. And God was grieved and he said, I have to destroy them. Last days it will happen. Let's go to Thessalonians. Yeah. This is what the Bible says. Let no one deceive you by any means for the day. The day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first. Why will people fall away from the church? From faith, not from the church. Churches will be full, but no faith. Why? The man of sin is revealed. The man of perdition, man of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Perfect possession. He will take over your minds. You will believe the lie. It will take over your minds. 
and he will control your actions. He says, watch out. And that's what we see all around the world happening. Endangered species, the believing church. There is no one nation in the world where the believing church is no longer attacked, including the US of A. Everywhere they are under attack. You know why? The man of perdition is rising. When he rises, we need to look into our hearts and say, Lord, is it lawlessness that is there? Is it lawlessness inside me? Then, under what power am I operating? So then, Pastor James, what was the Christmas message? 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The first promise in the new covenant, Matthew 1 and verse 21. Did I give it? If I didn't give it, it is okay. You shall call him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He will take the penalty and deliver us. How will he do that after he's paid the demality? The second promise in the Bible, 23. You shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He said, I'll walk with you. I will live in you. I'll be with you. And I will deliver you from every work of the enemy until the kingdom of God is finally and fully established in your life. And you are under no power of sorcery. That's the purpose. And how did he come? He came full of grace and full of truth. John 1.14. How did he come? Full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. Now let's go to the first definitive promise about the Son of God. Of course, John Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. Then uh, after the flood, it will be from Shem. Then after that from Abraham. Then after that from Jacob. Then after that from Judah. It's getting clearer and clearer and clearer. Then finally, he comes and says, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Wow! Wait a second. What is the first thing mentioned about the son? The government is upon his shoulders. This is about authority. This is about power. This is about a kingdom. Do you see that little baby lying in the manger? Do you know who he is? The government of the universe is upon his shoulders. Either you will one day bend and go by it, or that government will destroy you. That's why Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace. First time, no. I've come to bring a sword. Second time, I will enforce peace. Do you know who that child is? It's not a child to whom you sing lullabies. This is a child upon whose shoulders rests the kingdom of God. The government of God. Now see the reaction in Matthew chapter 2 verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem was troubled. Why were they troubled? Because there is a competition. Or there is a rival to the power of sorcery. The king has come. The Bible says, where is he born king? Nobody is born a king. You are born a prince. But he was born a king because he was always a king. 
It doesn't matter whether he's uh, embryo in his fetus, in his mother's womb, whether he's just newborn, whether he's two years old, he is a king. And from everlasting to everlasting, he is a king. And Herod was troubled. All of Jerusalem was troubled. Secular authorities are troubled. Religious authorities are troubled. From that day till today, when the cross is preached, when Christ is preached, secular authorities change, religious authorities change, because their power structure has been challenged. They change the laws and says, don't convert. But the government is still upon his shoulders. Still upon his shoulders. They can change all the laws in all the world, but the government is still upon his shoulders. And 9-7 says, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Who can stop him? Caesars couldn't stop him. Hitler couldn't stop him. None of the dispensations couldn't stop him. Do you think anybody can stop him? You cannot stop him. So be very careful when you treat him like an infant. He ain't no infant. The government is upon his shoulders. Luke 2.16 says about the poor shepherds. The first thing Joseph a type of Jesus in the book of Genesis will tell his brothers who came comes to meet the Pharaoh. When the Pharaoh asks, what's your profession? Say that you are shepherds because shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. And God says, give my message to the shepherds. The lowest, the poorest, the abomination in the eyes of the world. Go tell them, my son is born. No news to anybody else, just the shepherds. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. The wise men went to the palace. The angels went to the shepherds. Wisdom will take you to the wrong place, but God will be found somewhere else. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. For grace is given to the humble. The Bible says they came with haste. The wise men came from far. Two years. The shepherds came with haste. Have you hasted? Have you traveled far seeking him? Jerusalem to Bethlehem. This week I was preaching in a Christmas program. Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Distance? Six miles. Less than ten kilometers. Even if I were to walk from my, from here to my home, roughly ten kilometers, it'd take me maybe two hours. Max. All of Jerusalem was troubled. Scribes were called. Where is to be born? In Bethlehem. Ephrata. All new scripture. Nobody moved their feet. Nobody went looking for him. How long have you heard the word? How long have you celebrated Christmas? That is not the point. Have you sought him? They didn't seek. The wise men traveled for two years until they found him. And they were guided by a light in the sky. The Bible says the star stopped right above where the child was. The shepherd made haste and they worshipped him. They didn't go to cut a cake. They went to worship him. How oh, understand? Isaiah 55 verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now look at the next narrative in the gospel according to Matthew. When they had departed, who? The Magi. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, take the son, young child and his mother. Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. The wise men came. They worshipped. 
The angel spoke to Joseph. He took the child and the mother, went to Egypt. Now you go looking for him, Bethlehem. He is not there. God kept you in his appointed village for two years. You should have sought him when he was near. There is a time and a season for many here sitting. There is a time and a season. Find him when he is near. Another day will come when you look. There is no house. There is no manger. There is no child. It's gone. It's gone. It's not there. The word of God, the knowledge of God is not to puff us. It is to search him. When you find him, you fall at his feet. You worship him and say, Lord, thank you for delivering me from the penalty of sin. Lord, now would you deliver me from the power of sin? I don't want to be a slave anymore. I am not a slave. I was born to be a son. What do you want to be? Son or slave? Let's fast forward to John chapter 1 and verse 11. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. I can give you any gift. I can preach from here till my voice and lose my voice. But if you don't receive it, it makes no difference. He came to his own. They did not receive him. But verse 12. But as many as received him, to them, to them, you have to receive this gift. This gift is not wrapped. It's a person. It's a person. It's a person. You have to receive the person. You have to invite the person. You have to allow the person. But remember, when that person comes in, don't forget ICR 9.6. The government is upon his shoulders. Why does he come in? To take over. Not to mollycoddle you and me. To take over. To deliver us from the works of the enemy we are not even aware of. Because we are always trying to dominate our situations. Jesus did not dominate anybody. The only thing he dominated was nature. Demons leave. See, be still. Win, be still. Peace did not dominate any man. Even when all his disciples left and twelve were left, he asked them, do you also want to leave? You're welcome. You're welcome. Nobody is stopping. You want to leave? I will not dominate anybody. If you follow me, you have to choose by the free will I gave you. And I will be with you every day. I will be with you every day. When he comes in, he gives you the power and the authority to become the children of God. Everything has changed. Illicit authority has gone. Illicit power has gone. You learn now to walk under rightful authority and use rightful power. The spirit of God. Full of grace and full of truth. Are you a king? Pilate asked. He said, you say so. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly I am a king. Good. From gentle mouth says, I am a king. But he said, there is a difference. For this reason I was born. For what? To become a king. So who are your subjects? I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He said, my subjects who are born of the truth and who hear my voice and follow me. I don't have any other subjects. Are you a subject of the king? Do you hear the truth? Do you hear his voice? 
Do you follow him? All traditions and emotions and feelings and manipulation and intimidation, ultimately domination. And when you cannot dominate, sulk. That's what God says. That's what the word of God says. Think about it. Seriously think about it. What's Christmas all about? But the son of man came to destroy the works of the devil. But he could not destroy the works of the devil because he owned us. He had to buy us back. And there was only one price, his own life. So before he could break his work, he had to redeem us. That's what the Bible says. He was not redeemed by gold or silver. We were not redeemed. We were redeemed by the blood of Jesus' son, God's own son. My last meeting, when I spoke at that program, a pastor came, sat, held my hand and said, it is revelation for me. I never heard this because I told the church, every child, all of us, when we were born, we were born to love. This is the only child who was born to die. This child was not born to love. This child was born to die. And because he died, we will love. If he hadn't died, we will not love. We will love forever and ever because he died. This is no ordinary child. That's why more songs have been sung about him than all other songs. More words have been written about him than about anybody else. Who is this man? Who is this child? Who is that we worship? We should learn to fall at his feet and say, here is my life. Lord, I have nothing I can give you. The gold is yours. The silver is yours. The fragrance is yours. The myrrh is yours. The cattle upon the thousand hill is yours. There is nothing that is not yours except me because you gave me the free will to choose. Out of my free will, I choose. I am yours, Lord, today, forever. Help me, Lord. That's all we can give him. That's why Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, knowing the mercies of God, offer yourself. Because nothing else you can offer. God says, I'll give you the right. Everything is yours. Though it's mine, I will not claim. You can give yourself. So this Christmas day, the question is, will we give ourselves? Otherwise it's just what Indians say, another festival. Another festival. It is not a festival, children. Final words for today before we break for lunch. Galatians 4.4. 4. I didn't give it, but I just giving you. So that we give fit into the narrative of who he is. When the fullness of time had come, like I told you, God's way, God's will, God's way, God's time. That's the most difficult part is time. Be still. He who waits upon the Lord shall renew the strength and like what? Have you seen eagle mount up? Boom! It goes up. It's not that he will go quietly. He says, wait, wait, wait. Do you know Joseph? In one day he mounted up like an eagle. He had to wait 13 years. God's will. God's way. God's time. When the fullness of time came, Jesus, born of a woman, the world says, December 25th, it's a holiday, so let us say December 25th. God says, it does not make any difference. There are only two birthdays in the Bible. Both birthdays, somebody died. Pharaoh's birthday, Herod's birthday. I told you not to celebrate my birthday. I did not come to kill people. I came to save. 
But anyway, you said December 25th is my birthday. So, okay, December 25th is my birthday. Born of a woman. Not under law. Under law happens on the eighth day he's taken, he's circumcised, he comes under the law. What is the eighth day after Christmas? January the 1st. History has been broken into two when it comes under the law. It's before Christ and after Christ. Who would have ever thought this child born in an unknown town would split history as he comes born of a woman and under the law. January the 1st. The year begins because here is he born under the law to redeem everyone who's born under the law. Cursed under the law to break the curse of our lives. To destroy the works of the devil. Here is he. Do we know who we worship? Do we know who he is? Do we know how much he loves us? What the Bible says, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. So that anyone, anyone, whosoever, no conditions, anyone who believes in him, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, will not perish, but have eternal life. That's why this is the strangest and the longest Christmas message you have ever heard. And it's still not over. I skipped over so many things. But we shall stand up and we shall thank this God. We shall thank. Who is like thee? That is why the Old Testament people, when they sang those songs, they did not even really understand. From the spirit, prophetically, they will say, he's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. What about us? We can actually say it. He's the fairest of 10,000 to the soul. Here is he, the son of God. Shall we pray? Father, this morning, we just want to thank you, Father, that you as the father gave your son for us. No father would have done it. For a filthy, wicked, crime-ridden, demonic people. Under the sway of the demons and of Satan. You sent your son to us, among us. We mistreated your son. We abused your son. We beat up your son. We nailed your son on the cross. When he came, we... Humanity said, no room. When he died, we told him, no room in the city. Take him outside and crucify him. When he came, no room. When he went, no room. When he lived, no room. For foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head Today God is asking, will you make room for my son in your heart? One heart. One heart. Could you say, Lord, my heart is full of stuff. Full of things of this world. Full of ideas, imagination, dreams, aspirations. But Lord, I want to clean my heart out. I want to say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you come into my heart? I don't care who I lose in the process. What relationships go. What prosperity I lose. What job I lose. What money I lose. 
All I ask is, Lord, come to stay. Come to stay. Come to stay. Come, Lord. Stay in my heart. Stay in our hearts. Govern from there. I am ignorant. I do not know. Where all in my life the enemy controls. You alone know, Lord. I will submit to the voice of your spirit. I will listen to your word. You just deliver me. From liberty to liberty. From peace to peace. From joy to joy. From righteousness to righteousness. And I can proudly say, Christ is my redeemer. And God is my father. Who is it that condemns? Christ justifies me. We just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father, for sending your Son. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. And thanking you, Spirit of God, for truly making us known who Jesus is. Because without you, we would have been just Pharisees, full of the Word, and crucified the Son of God. Thank you, Spirit of God, for Where the Spirit is, there is liberty. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. And we declare in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen and amen.